Welcome to United Talk, where we talk Atlanta United. My name is Kyle Soto, and I'm with Jackson Popkin in Studio 404 in the Grady Journalism Building on the campus of UGA. Um, we're, we're coming off a 1-0 loss to Charlotte on Sunday, and we're heading into a, another match weekend against FC Cincinnati. Uh, we're here to just talk about the, the loss to Charlotte um, on the road and, you know, just preview FC Cincinnati. There's a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, some talking points from this past game. So first, we'll just go through, you know, our thoughts and our observations from the loss. Um, so, yeah, just obviously, you know, there was there was an Olympico goal in the 11th minute. Um, Brad Guzan kind of fumbling the bag there. Slightly. Yeah, slightly. Um, first, I mean, you know, I'm sure this has already been talked about a lot, but we can just talk about the Olympico goal. Um yeah. You know, obviously, you know, set pieces have been an issue for Atlanta United throughout the season. And I, I said this on Twitter, like, that's not really your typical, like, corner kick set piece. But it's another example where a set piece is kind of punishing Atlanta United. Yeah, and I think in that sequence of events, like, there were a couple corner kicks just in that sequence of just conceding a corner. Mm-hmm. And from that, conceding another corner. And just really not being able to, Atlanta United just not finding itself able to get out of those situations of the opposing team just pressing down on your goal um, and really relieving that pressure. They weren't able to do that. And to get scored on in kind of like a rarer way, um, maybe doesn't show speak exactly for the set-piece defending tactics other than Guzan's positioning. But either way, just making sure that these like set-pieces, whether it's free kicks, corner kicks, I mean, Charlotte had a lot of them, just being able to clear your lines defensively mm-hmm. and stop absorbing so much pressure because it will punish you. And we've been seeing that a lot so far. Yeah, and to go back to what you just said about, you know, the opposition just kind of pressuring and putting that pressure on on the back line. Um, you know, that was a part of the part of the game on Sunday I thought was Charlotte's two their front two strikers were just, you know, putting a lot of pressure on the back line. And there was I mean Pineda said this himself, there was, you know, the team was having trouble with the build up play, getting the ball from the back to the front and that kind of culminated, you know, early on with all those corner kick opportunities. And I mean, Atlanta looks shaky defending set pieces from the get go in that game. Like there were, there was one where, um, you know, I can't remember who the player was, but he was basically like in the six yard box or like right outside. And he, he got a he got a shot away and it, you know, it hit the outside of the net, but you know, set pieces, it seems like that's something we're going to be talking about for a lot, like for a long time this season. Um, but you know, Atlanta continued to try to get back into the match and to, you know, to their credit, they got 16 shots in total compared to Charlotte's 15, but you know, the only number that matters is the score line. So, um, you know, Almada Moreno were leading the attack and I thought this was another really good game from Almada. He was, you know, setting up plays. He was threading passes. He had that one really good pass to, um, to Dom Dwyer in behind and, that shot was just so bad. I mean, <laughs> See, it was just so like, bad. I know we had this the whole Dom Dwyer discussion, um, like at the very start of this season about like, uh, great years Dom Dwyer, and then like he kind of starts to prove our expectations wrong in that um, Kansas City match. But past two games from Dwyer, I mean, you get a few minutes in red card, miss the next one, and then, I mean, he had he had his chances and he just did not. Uh, create many quality shots off of the chances he was given uh, in the match on Sunday. So, is this more of the more of the real Dwyer we're getting now, or were our were our hopes a little too 
we had some rose-colored glasses, I guess, after that Kansas City game. Yeah, the storylines after that game were, they were looking <laughs> good, but now it's kind of going downhill. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's why you bring in a guy like Ronaldo, not Cristiano Ronaldo, but Ronaldo Cisneros. <laughs> um, you know, he's he came in, he he had a good performance, I thought. Um, I was impressed with, I was impressed with his, his speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, like his work rate was really high. And I think like for a lot of these um, passes, like you mentioned, like Almada was playing through, I think um, Cisneros getting on the end of those um, could make some magic happen. Mm-hmm, for sure. So, you know, just to continue talking about Almada real quick, he also had that um, quick free kick to Gutman mm-hmm. in the 26th minute. I thought that was a really smart play by him because, you know, you got to take advantage of the opportunities. You know, we're certain, you know, sometimes players will turn off when the referee blows the whistle. And Almada, as young as he is, he was able to recognize in that moment that he could play in Gutman. He got the shot away. And it was a pretty good shot, to be fair. But, you know, Kalina is just, as we saw in Atlanta a couple weeks ago, that he's, he's a beast in between the sticks. So um, good save from him. And, you know, as we said, um, you know, Atlanta continued to take those shots. They had 16 to Charlotte's 15. And, and they actually culminated in um, 1.3 XG to Charlotte's point nine, which is, I don't know, watching the game, I didn't really feel like it I was like, like it was more of a summation than any one mm-hmm. uh, single uh, shot resulting in, like, a high XG number. I think that, yeah, like, just the pure number of shots just on, like, I think there was four on target, um, but just the pure number of shots in general. They had a lot in the box. I think it was they hit 10 shots just coming within the 18. Um, and, like, those shots on target, none of them, really threatened clean that much. He had a couple big saves, but um, there were a few just like straight into his hands or um, some just shots not as powerful. But yeah, I feel like the the quality of shots just wasn't on Atlanta's side in that game. And I mean, we can just to continue. We kept seeing like, especially in that first half, there's just that little window of like 10 minutes there. We had a shot from Moreno um, like in the 33rd minute just like really quickly taking, I think it was Gutman crossed it in. Mm-hmm. Moreno just first time uh, and just wide of the post. Um, so like if we had, if any of those had been just like inches closer to inches on the other side of the post, then like maybe we'd be talking about this game a whole different light. But um, yeah, after that, um, there really weren't any other key chances from Atlanta United, especially in the second half um, until later on with uh, Caleb Wiley. Mm-hmm. He got subbed in, um, had a ball just like up in the air. It was like, a cross came in, Gutman tried to settle it, but, like, just sent it vertically. Um, and it just came down, Wiley just ran onto it and put his head on it, and it seemingly, like, bent, like, around mm-hmm. the far post. Like, it had, like, some sort of weird spin on it, it looked yeah, like. Yeah, it like, had a, like, however he hit it with his forehead, just spun it, like, just curved around the far post. And that's just, you just got to sit back after that and just, Think about what could have been. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if there was, you know, not to discredit Caleb Wiley, obviously he's only 17. He doesn't have that many minutes. But, you know, maybe if there were a more experienced player in that position, could put it away. But, you know, that's those are the margins we're talking about here. You know, the, the margins are extremely small, and it comes down to moments like that. So, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, hopefully he will continue to get minutes and have a, have a good season. Um, but, yeah, so the team was never really dominant in possession. Um if you want to yeah I was looking at the uh those uh five minute possession intervals <coughs> on the uh on the MLSsoccer.com stats sheet earlier and uh there were a few moments like one in each half um Charlotte had up to like 
82% of the possession within those intervals. So there were moments of the game. Charlotte was just all over the ball. Atlanta was just completely sitting back. Um, and there were never really any, like, um, we never saw that on the flip side. We never saw Atlanta United dominating possession in the same way or any phases of the game that um, Atlanta had where they were constantly pressuring the goal. Um, and, yeah, because of that, like, you can't really say that Atlanta, like, deserved, um, like, a big result here. Like, you can't really claim that, oh, Atlanta was the better team on the day because they had, like, what, like, point like, four more yeah. XG. Like, like, 16, sh- like, one more shot. Yes. Like, those aren't really... Like, they were never, yeah. I guess, like, of good enough quality to, like, really... Deserve is kind of, like, a vague term to mm-hmm. describe it, but, yeah, like, they were... The chances weren't there. The the quality on the ball just wasn't there enough to be like, oh, that should have do- dominated this game, won this game, got all three points on the road in Charlotte. Because Charlotte held their own in their in their home stadium as they've been starting to come into lately. And, you know, all you can say is credit to them for um, you know, standing up in front of their home fans and uh, getting the result that they wanted. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the back three a little bit. Um, that Pineda decided to roll out and you know it's kind of prevalent for the like the preview section because FC Cincinnati probably going to be playing with the front two system and I just want to get your thoughts on you know I think this is the first time this season that Pineda has started the team in a back three mm-hmm. with uh, Campbell, Miles, and Franco. Um, I just do you think that he's going to continue to tinker with that? Do you think he's going to continue to try working that out? So I remember discussing this earlier on in the season where we were looking at the depth that Atlanta had in center back with um, Robinson, Campbell, Franco, and we were like, like, oh, this is a lot of like, you know, quality here. Um, we thought like maybe if Pineda wanted to get that much, like have them all on the field without the competition for minutes, um, then maybe he could try it. But I don't think... Um, and I think that contributed to, I guess, what we saw with the um, lack of quality possession from Atlanta, that the back three just isn't a system Pineda has really instilled into this team, and it was more of a um, maybe a necessity um, just on a game-by-game basis. I don't think Pineda um, has a desire to like run with the back three as like a continuous system. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I feel like, I guess it's more pointing towards like Alonso's absence, where he would be able to drop back in uh, out of the midfield, and um, we haven't really seen Sosa being able to like really fill in that role. I guess there's just one game of uh, of data to go off of. Mm-hmm. We'll see more this weekend, but um, yeah, the back three just didn't look very secure in the game, and. Yeah, I feel like they were out of their comfort zone a little bit, and I feel like um, just the back four system is a better one to go off of um, for the team, especially with if Sosa can really get back into full form as we've seen him do in the past. Then, um, yeah, but I think it's more of a necessity. We'll see it when, once these injuries are resolved, and they never will be, but <laughs> once these injuries can get a little better, we can see how Pineda really wants his team to play, and he knows what's best for his system. 
you know, I have full confidence. Pineda's a smart dude. Mm-hmm. He's, got his, he's got his soccer IQ. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's not the way to go, but it's the way it has to be right now, and they're just playing with what they have. Yeah, I remember when Heinze was manager and, you know, Sosa was, you know, getting integrated into the team. He was, and Joe talked about this on Five Stripe Final, but Sosa would drop back into that back three. And I, I was, like, re-watching the game, some of the first half yesterday, and I was keeping that in mind when I was watching, and I was watching Sosa, and I was like, there were moments where he was like, it looked like he wanted to drop back, but there was just, like, no space for him to drop back because there's, there's already three center backs back yeah. there. So that's, like, another aspect to this whole thing with Ozzy Alonso's injury. Um you know, in, in a back four, when the, the fullbacks go up, maybe Sosa will be able to find that space between the center backs if that's what Pineda wants him to do. But, yeah, I think just the profile of this team, I think there are a lot of really good attacking players. You know, Almada, Araujo, Joseph, obviously, but he's out right now. So I, I feel like, you know, you, you want balance, obviously, but I think you need to get more attack, not more attacking players, but just make sure that, you're not prioritizing the defense over the attack. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, you want the balance to be there, but the three center back system, I, I don't think that we'll see that this weekend, at least to start. I think I think Pineda's going to start them in a back four like they've been doing most of the season. So, mm-hmm. um, But, yeah, we can – is there anything else you want to talk about regarding back three system? Um, All right. No. So – uh, some injury-related news. Uh, good news, mostly. Uh, yeah, for once. Yeah, for once. <laughs> uh, Luis Araujo is back in training. He's been back in training this week. Um, and Emerson Heinemann could feature on the bench this weekend as good Araujo. So, obviously, we don't want these guys to be rushed back in to a point where they get hurt again, and then we just start the entire cycle over again. Um but it's really good news that Luis Araujo is back because you know he got hurt in that first game of the season. So twenty minutes in, yep. So twenty minutes of this man. Yeah. So this this entire season, I mean, I think he's the best player on the team right now. So we've been watching this team not flounder, not struggle per se, but they're definitely missing one of their best attacking options. So to get him back on the field, both for his you know attacking work and his defensive work in terms of you know the counter press, um, pre- pressing up high up the field. I think I'm just really excited to see him back in this team and see what he can what he can bring to the lineup. Um, I mean, obviously he's probably going to be on the bench if he does feature at all this weekend. So just keep an eye on that. Um, I'm 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 just really excited to see him get back into the, into the team. So yeah, and I saw um, it's all Pineda is as well. He's really excited for once he can get Joseph back too. Um, just to have Joseph, Arujo, Almada, Moreno. I mean, any three of those really is just lethal mm-hmm. like on paper so to, I'm honestly really stoked just to see any bit of Aruju and Almada and Moreno um, just working the midfield together because I feel like especially against a team like Cincinnati um, players like this against a defense like theirs um, and we can get into this in the preview later but um, it's just a really enticing matchup to see with those players um, and how they can really gel and combine together. I mean, Aruju back in training, so he hasn't had that much time to work with um, Almada for sure. But yeah, I'm really excited to see because like all three of them have such great individual quality, and you can never really, um, yeah, man mark one or the other without leaving the other exposed. 
Um, so any def- any defense in this league, um, I feel like would couldn't really stand up to like the three of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, and Louise's presence on like just his presence on the field, like defenders have to be aware of him. So even if he's you know coming on late in the game, I mean hopefully Atlanta's not chasing for a goal, but if they are, he can bring that added element to it. Um, let's. Let's talk about Heinemann a little bit. He, I think his return is pretty timely, just considering that you know Ozzy Alonso is out for the season. Um, so I, I think you know it's just great to honestly. Sometimes I forgot about Heinemann. I won't lie. It's been yeah. almost like a year since yeah, he got it's hurt. Been it's been it's been a long time. So it's, it's you know it's good for Pineda to you know have that extra option available, especially with you know Husetsu out for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that? He'll get minutes in this game. I think. Uh, I mean, I really, if he's even on I, the bench, yeah, if he's on the bench, he wasn't on the bench last game, but he was questionable. So I feel like he's had more time to build up that fitness. I think that we will see him make the eighteen. Um, and I'm, yeah, like like you said, like it's just exciting to see him back because I mean, you really haven't you didn't see much of him last year before that injury. Um, so you really have my mind just goes to I mean, twenty nineteen when he joined the team. He was. Um, like he was brought into the midfield and he performed well for Atlanta United. He was able to like link the link the defense and attack. He um he's able to dribble some dudes. Um and yeah, to have him back in the depth chart in midfield that's starting to get starting to decrease um is nice. And like watching uh Franco Ibarra uh, last weekend, he had he had a couple shots. He was he didn't do too terribly, but um to have another option uh, like Heinemann, a guy with um, definitely more experience, um, would be good for this team, uh, especially in, like when you link them up with uh, more defensive-minded Sosa. Um, so I'm excited for yeah both of those players to uh, rejoin the team, rejoin the roster, hopefully see some time on the field that they can build up, and uh, hopefully Heinemann can you know challenge for minutes with a full. A full roster, a fully healthy roster, um, and yeah, just to, I guess now go back to um, the final bit of injury news. Uh, Ozzy Alonso being out for the season, or we think he's out for the season. He had his knee surgery uh, this past week. Uh, the team put out statements saying that it was successful, but they have no official timetable on his return um, because that'll be up to uh, his recovery and you know just how the you know physios all see him. Uh, recovering and the whole his process his body things like that yeah. so just to wrap up this review section of the show Atlanta is still fourth in the east and you know I mean it's MLS you know really at the end of the day the only important thing is to make the playoffs and you want to get that home playoff berth obviously get as high up as you can in the table but you know considering the up and down nature of the season so far fourth place isn't bad at all I mean you have three. You have three wins, two losses, and a draw. So I mean, your goal differential is zero because you have <laughs> nine, four, and nine against. So you know. And I'm looking at the uh, form. There's a MLS form guide that I found online, and between every win, there's like a either a loss or a draw. So if the current trend continues, Atlanta should get a win this weekend. So uh, that's kind of what <laughs> we're looking at. That's yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at right now. So. Um, before we head into the preview section, here's a quick ad break. 
All right, and we are back for the preview section of the show. Um, so Atlanta will be hosting FC Cincinnati at 6 p.m. this upcoming Saturday, which is tomorrow, uh, at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And it's the first home game in three weeks, so it'll be kind of nice to, you know, go back to the state. I, I think you said you're I'll, not going, I'll, right? I'll be uh, going home this weekend, you know, spending Easter with the family. But, yeah, I'll be watching for sure. Uh, I'm excited to see Atlanta United back home. That, like, to get, you know, a, a win on the road, like three points on the road from two games, like it's not it's not terrible. So, like, it's a, it's a pretty profitable road trip. Then to get back at home where um, those points – almost matter a little more in the league. Um, yeah, excited to see them on a field they're comfortable with uh, against a team that's that they should go up against and compete. Um, and it's a team that Cincinnati, 11th in the East, um, only two wins so far this season, two wins, uh, no, draws, no draws, four losses. Uh, there are two wins coming over Inter-Miami and uh, Orlando City. I think the Orlando City one was on the road too, so that was a kind of a kind of a surprising result uh, to me. But uh, obviously, winning the wooden spoon last year, dead last. Um, they've I think it's a pretty common consensus that they've improved this year. Um, they've shown more quality than they have. When last year it was like you know sort of a easy three points game uh, for pretty much any other team in the league. Um, and it's historically it's been that way for Atlanta United. They've only lost one time to FC Cincinnati in their eight total meetings. Um, and this matchup will be real interesting uh, for a couple reasons, a couple player-specific reasons. Uh, Brandon Vasquez and Alec Can returning to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, and Vasquez, of course, really putting the league on notice uh, with his form lately. Uh, he's currently sitting in a three-way tie for first in the Golden Boot race with five total goals to his name. And to see, you know, a player like that, we saw him in 2017. And to see a player who was like, you know, he'd like come off the bench a few times. And he was, he, like, maybe not fan favorite, but fans really did like Brandon Vasquez. Um, and I know he, he scored a couple goals for Atlanta, I think like three or so. So to see him sort of mature as a player... And sort of come back as an alumni uh, is cool to see. And uh, hopefully he doesn't punish Atlanta too much for it. Uh, and you could say the same with Alec Can. Uh, he never really... You know, he So he's obviously started out the inaugural season, the first half of it, as goalkeeper, um, with the full knowledge of Brad Guzan coming in and taking his spot. And to play for the, what, four years he was with the team? No, more than that. Five? Five, yeah. Yeah. Five years with the team uh, in that sort of backup role to Guzan. Um, and now to see him, like, with the starting spot that we all thought he deserved, honestly, and that he could fulfill a role like that. And so to see both these players in roles like that uh, returning to Mercedes-Benz will be will be really cool to see. Yeah. Quick uh, aside on Alec Can. I, I remember the f- opening weekend of the season – I think Cincinnati was playing um, Austin. I think Austin, yeah. I think that one didn't. That didn't. That wasn't too hot for them. No, no, <laughs> five nil loss on the opening day, and I remember the commentator was saying Alex can, not Alec Ooh. can, and I sent that into the into the Dirty South Soccer Slack <laughs> channel, and then Jay Sam Jones was like, "Well, yeah, that would make sense because he's been pants all game." So, <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, there's a Alex can is impersonating Alec can on the mm-hmm. field," but you know, obviously hoping, you know, for him. 
has a good performance in the Mercedes Benz. Not too good of a performance, but right. hoping that he can, um, you know, maybe show Atlanta United why they what they're missing out on. Maybe um, just considering, you know, Atlanta's goalkeeping situation right now. So, yeah, um, some other players to watch for from FC Cincinnati. Um, Luciano Acosta and Yaya Kubo in the midfield, um, really generating those chances, giving Brandon Vasquez uh, the service he needs to be tied for the bol- for the Golden Boot race. Uh, and uh, Luciano Acosta is a player that Atlanta United fans should be familiar with uh, on opposing teams. Uh, he seems to be kind of a menace whenever he sees uh, red and black on the other team. So I think I saw the stat. I didn't make a note of it, but... He has something like six goals against Atlanta United mm. uh, in his career, which is like he scored more goals against Atlanta United than like any other team, like by a solid margin. So hopefully the defense can sort of contain him, uh, try to buck that trend a little bit. Also with Cincinnati's roster, um, whereas Atlanta United struggling with injuries, maybe a little bit more, Cincinnati is uh, feeling the injury bug a little bit as well. Uh, especially when it comes to the defense. So Ronald Matarita, uh, left back, uh, Costa Rican international player, a uh, couple weeks back went into surgery for his ankle and will be out for six months. So he will be missing from the lineup for a good bit of time. And then in addition to that, a less uh, you know concrete injury, Alvis Powell, uh, questionable, plays right back, um, I think that's down to like fitness levels, I think, with him. So he could see time. He's definitely a starter. He's been in this league a while. Um, but having these sort of question marks in the defense uh, really makes me excited for this game, really um, makes me look forward to it, especially on the attacking side where, you know, Atlanta just, you know, I just got shut out last weekend. Um, and then this team. Last weekend, to recap, uh, a 4-3 loss to Montreal, uh, giving up four goals, I believe at home, too. So the defense they've had, the back line they've had um, with you know Jeff Cameron, uh, all that just hasn't really been up to par in many games this season. Like you mentioned, that 5-0 loss to Austin. Uh, so to have you know what we saw from Almada Moreno last weekend up against uh, maybe a a defense that maybe concedes uh, a few more chances can slip up a few more times. Uh, we can see Atlanta United's attackers uh, maybe be able to, you know, finish more of their chances that are created and really create, you know, more quality chances. Uh, and so I'm I'm excited for this weekend and hopefully they can they can make that happen. Yeah, and you know I've said this before, but the clean sheets like. Atlanta needs to start getting some clean sheets, mm. start getting some defensive consistency because, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if Atlanta has a single clean sheet this season, to be it's honest. DC. Yeah, the DC game, yep. So they only have, that's, that's one out of six games with a clean sheet. So especially at home, you want to be able to defend well at home and make, make that like your fortress. So mm-hmm. that's something that I'll be looking for this weekend. I mean, that's something I'm going to be looking for every weekend until I start seeing otherwise, <laughs> you know, so... It's going to sound like a broken record when I say that, but yeah. Yeah. And just finally on Cincinnati, um, recently signing a designated player whose name I am going to butcher completely, Obina Nwobodo. Um, he j- 
just recently joined the team uh, this past week. He won't be ready for this match, um, which is like the second time there's been a team Atlanta United's come up against where they have a, a new, brand new designated player, a nice, shiny new attacking talent that just won't be able to feature for the team. Um, and so, yeah, moving on from that to sort of previewing more of Atlanta United, um, according to Doug Roberson, uh, in an interview with Pineda earlier this week at a media session, um, he said that Ronaldo Cisneros is likely to start this weekend uh, over Dom's wire, like we saw last weekend, or um, even potentially Jackson Conway, uh, which, yeah, like we mentioned before, I'm excited to see him. I really liked what I saw in terms of his work rate uh, against Charlotte. Uh, I know there was one time he chased a ball down all the way to the end line and made some sort of like sliding back pass just to be able to keep it in play. And uh, Lanyard got a pretty good uh, goal-scoring opportunity out of it. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see him, especially in the more wide-open counter-attacking situations um, that we tend to see at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, hopefully he can, you know, get more get into his groove with Atlanta United that we hadn't seen. I know we previewed him last week uh, with Shivas. Uh, and hopefully he can, you know, get on the score sheet, uh, be that solution to the uh, Joseph absence that Kazal that, Pineda and Atlanta United are going to have to find a solution for, uh, you know, for the next six or so weeks. Yeah, and that, that's being hopeful, to be honest. Like, even when Joseph's, like, cleared to return, I don't know, I'm just so nervous with him now. Yeah. I'm just so nervous with him now. So, yeah, hopefully Cisneros can kind of play a part in the long-term solution throughout the season. Yeah, I know he's on a loan. I think the loan's over in July mm. with the option to extend it. Um, and I don't know. I guess if they haven't done it now, it's something he has to earn. And so this is an opportunity to do that with the injuries, with Joseph being gone. Um, and he's still a young player. So uh, if he can earn that spot, uh, earn that role, really show what he's capable of, um, yeah, this is his chance to do it this weekend, especially against a team like Cincinnati. Yeah, and you'd have to think he ha- he has a pretty good chance of, you know, securing some minutes this season with, you know, I mean, his competition is Dom Dwyer and Jackson Conway, and, you know, I don't want to trash on Jackson or anything, but he did have that one, that <laughs> one shot. You know, that's not a defining moment or anything, but it's just good to have a variety of different options that, you know, different styles of play, different... Mm-hmm. Ways to contribute to the team, so yeah, hopefully, hope just hoping for a good performance from whoever's playing up top on Saturday. So, yeah, and just a few notes on sort of um, the how to watch aspect of the game. Uh, the game will not be on Bally Sports, so all of you uh, cord cutters out there can rejoice. Um, so the match will be streamed on Peachtree TV. Uh, for those who want to watch it on television, but also on atlantaunited.com, A-T-L-U-T-D.com. Slash live. Slash live. Um, so and all those in the region uh, outside the, that I mean, it'll be geo-locked like we've seen with like these preseason games. But um, yeah, a very widely accessible game to watch. Uh, so easy easy to access, easy to tune into. Hopefully Atlanta United can get three points and get back on track in a home match. So following that match, later on next week, on Wednesday, LA United finally is back in the U.S. Open Cup, uh, one of my favorite 
sports competitions like of all time. I love the Open Cup. Um, they'll be making their return as the reigning champs from three years ago uh, against Chattanooga FC. Uh, that's Wednesday at 7.30 at the Fraction on the campus of Kennesaw State. Um, Chattanooga FC playing in one of the third division leagues in the United States, NISA. They entered last round in the second round, being paired up with the USL Championships Memphis 901 FC uh, and hosted that game and really took it to the second division team. They uh, provided one of the cup sets that we saw in that second round, winning 3-1 with some early goals in front of a solid crowd. I think a a couple thousand-plus in Chattanooga to see that. So it'll be exciting. I know they put out their ticket sales and there should be a good solid traveling contention of Chattanooga supporters um, at the fraction. So uh, that'll be something we can really look forward to. Um, hopefully we can see a good game that's against someone other than the Charleston battery for once. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just exciting to see, uh, you know, Atlanta United playing these uh, lower division teams across the Southeast in settings that aren't friendlies uh, and games that matter, and games that count, games with a trophy on the line. Um, and it'll be, so it's great to see that uh, potentially a win here would move them on to the round of 32 where they would take on the winner of Birmingham Legion and South Georgia Tormenta, which, if you don't mind me going on a rant here, that Open Cup draw, my goodness, it was it was a trip, absolute trip. The... Uh, in pure U.S. Soccer Federation style, you know, you had two uh, celebrity draw pickers, uh, one being a Miami FC fan, one being an inner Miami fan. Um, I think the Miami FC fan was, was like DJ Citizen Jane Kane. What I like, it was, it was a trip, and like the inner Miami supporter had like sunglasses on indoors and like a kit and scarf surrounded by like the commissioner in his suit um but anyway the rant is how the job was conducted like it's not that hard to have like your typical world cup you know some ping pong balls and a pot mm-hmm. and a bowl stir them around but they decided to you know step it up a notch and go with envelopes um and so specifically for the southeast region with atlanta united um they took the envelopes. Uh, they took out uh, Tormenta, who uh, declined to host as the stadium will be ready till uh, later next month. But um, drew the hosts, Atlanta, Birmingham, and then went ahead and started opening um, the envelope with Chattanooga because it was like the only envelope. And then the commissioner's like, oh, no, wait. Uh, we haven't put Tormenta back in the, in the envelopes. So the envelope was already opened and the card removed. But they put it back in, uh, tried to close the envelope, air quotes, as best they could, uh, and put Tormenta's unopened envelope back in, shuffled the two envelopes, uh, and the guy drew the open envelope, which was Chattanooga, which was obvious. So, I mean, it was kind of fun. We saw this with Greenville, too. They were drawn to host uh, Charlotte FC, and... Uh, I think in that situation, too, it was like you knew which card was which. And shout out to the um, Inter-Miami fan the drawing because, like, that's a matchup that I think a lot of people wanted to see. 
uh, was Charlotte traveling to Greenville Triumph. But just the way that there's, I mean, it's just U.S. soccer for you, honestly. Um, but yeah, gotta love the Open Cup. That's just the little things that you just have to laugh at. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, hoping to see some uh, some cup sets. Maybe not in Atlanta United's case, but uh, you know, it's cool to see these lower division teams being able to like host teams like a. Uh, I think Detroit City hosts Columbus, uh, which would which will be an insane atmosphere there for sure, and uh, I believe Forward Madison hosts Minnesota United. Ooh, that should be a good one. That'll be good, uh, and then Union Omaha I think travels to Chicago Fire. Okay. Um, and I know there's also the Miami Miami Derby mm-hmm. right there. Um, I've, that's been fun to look at. I know Miami FC's kind of. Uh, putting some banter on inter Miami for playing in Fort Lauderdale and Miami FC plays in Miami. And, um, it's cool to see sort of these more local matchups where there's a lot at stake, uh, take place. And yeah, just glad the open cups back. That's all I got to say on that. Yeah. And you know, it'll be a chance for Pineda to, you know, give some younger guys some minutes, test some guys out. You know, you'd think players like Caleb Wiley would get a start. Um, yeah, maybe players that need fitness, um, Heinemann, Araruju, um, Conway could get a start as well. Conway so sure. lots of different options there. I mean, obviously Atlanta is going to want to retain the title. Um, can the winner of the Open Cup, does the winner of the Open Cup still get a CCL berth? They do. They do, okay. So, yeah, that's obviously a really big incentive right there because, you know, a lot of teams are fighting for the CCL berth, so got to get that any way you can. Yeah, and um, obviously with CCL, you got Seattle Sounders uh, making the final. Yep. Um, potentially becoming the first MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, so I mean, it'd be great if they can do it. If they can't, though, being the next team up uh, and potentially Atlanta United being that team to do that would be pretty nice. So just a real quick bit of fantasy talk. Um, I know we're a solid way into the season. Uh, attention may be st- starting to slip a little bit. Um, for me personally, last week, was a, it, was a, it was a solid, it was a decent week. Uh, you know, 75 points. I think I, I dropped back into the top 500. I'm in 482 now. Um, but, you know, in terms of players, I was like being Harlan Lucas Celerion from Columbus. Uh, he kind of fell flat with a three-pointer, which is just shocking. Um, <laughs> surprising to me, I had players like um, Schlegel and Lassiter on the bench, Orlando and Miami, respectively. Um, both, like, really cheap bench players who, like, maybe could get minutes. And both of them ended up getting eight and seven points and getting like auto subbed into my team, uh, which I was just really lucky for. But um, yeah, some players falling flat. I mean, I, I captain Harl's heel. He had a double digit Philadelphia's defense, of course, solid. Um, but yeah, just real quick, looking forward to next week uh, in terms of like just games around the league to look forward to. Maybe if you're playing fantasy stock up on some players, um, you see games like uh, Seattle hosting Miami, uh, which, Sounds very enticing to have like a um, uh, Joe Paulo, uh, just all of these Seattle players, Jordan Morris, um, Stefan Fry, players like that against the Miami team is you know bottom of the barrel in this league that they've shown so far this year. Uh, but then of course Seattle being coming off of that Champions League game midweek, they might be a little tired. Um, you've got other games. Uh, I mean, Atlanta United, of course, coming up against the Cincinnati team, you could 
maybe look forward to that bank on the attack getting stronger. Um, Nashville traveling to San Jose. I think Nashville's been on a pretty good kick like recently, so they should be they should hold their own on the road against San Jose. Um, you know, you've got the Revolution hosting Charlotte FC. So if Charlotte FC can keep up their like solid form, maybe that would be a little different. But the Revolution hosting Charlotte could be good, especially with Carl's heel uh, in your lineup there. So yeah, lots to look forward to around the league this week. Um, especially with Atlanta United. And, yeah, so now we can wrap th- start to wrap things up a little bit with our uh, shout-outs of the week. Kyle, I know you put one down here that you're looking forward to. Yeah, um, so August 31st, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium will be playing host to Mexico contra Paraguay. So Mexico and Paraguay. Uh, it's going to be Miguel Amiron versus Tata Martino. So that's just a special moment, I think, considering both are legends of the club. Darren Eels went on record saying that you know, they're, they're both obviously legends of the club, so it'll just be, you know, a cool moment to see both of them back in the bends, even if they're competing against each other. So that's just yeah. something I had my eye on. Yeah, that would be, be really great for fans to, like, be able to show their appreciation for Miguel Almiron because um, obviously the last time we saw him on the field or just in Atlanta was MLS Cup uh, when he got subbed off. Um, so it will be good to, like, you know, see him again after his you know years in, in the Premier League. Um, and then, of course, Tata Martino. Um, obviously, whenever they pl- Mexico's played Mercedes-Benz a few times before, and they always draw pretty well um, as they prep for the World Cup in November. So I'm excited for that. Um, and another thing I'm excited for this weekend, I just saw, I think Doug tweeted it out, um, that <laughs> after five long years, uh, the founding member wall in Mercedes-Benz Stadium is finally uh, being unveiled. It will be next to the giant soccer ball statue. Uh, on the uh, would that be north side of the stadium. Um, I know people were like ranting about the founding member wall since like year two. Um, and so to see like, I think most people have probably forgotten it by now, forgotten that it was even going to be a thing. I'm one of those people. I completely flew off my radar. I was like, oh, that's a thing. Did not even remember that. So, so and it'll be cool to see that finally like coming into existence. Um, I know that was one of like the, big perks that they advertised for, um, you know, becoming a founding member back in the inaugural season. So I think it's something with, like, all, all the names of founding members, um, yeah, on a wall outside the stadium. So it'll be cool to see. Um, you could potentially have your name inscribed uh, on the bends, which is, you know, a really, really cool thing to, to be able to, you know, say to people. Um, and then lastly, uh, just want to give a shout-out to Archie Eversole, um, the you know cre- creator of the We Ready song that we all know and love um, passed away this past week. And as far as celebrity fans of Atlanta United go, he seemed like the most genuine. Um, just like being in the supporters section, being on the capo stand. Um, I remember I've seen him like walking in the concourses um, and being at tailgates and stuff. And, you know, it was really cool to see someone like that um, especially someone like a a celebrity uh, artist like he was, um, like really take to the team in like an authentic way. Like I know we saw like big names like, you know, like Ludacris or whatever, like repping Atlanta United, but uh, Archie really took it to another level. So, um, yeah, 
thoughts with his you know family and friends and uh yeah we'll miss seeing him uh, in the bends for sure rest in peace so that wraps up our united talk episode for this week um again atlanta united taking on fc cincinnati saturday at 608 this is the official kickoff time on peace tv or atlutd.com slash live um of course, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, looking forward to this weekend. Uh, and, yeah, we will see you next week as Atlanta United takes on... Shoot, I forgot who we play next week. Uh, oh, travel to Miami. Playing Miami. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back next week to talk about that. Um, that will be on... That game is going to be on the 24th of April, so it's a Sunday. So, yeah. Um, Thank you for tuning in, like Jackson said, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya.